I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome back to another episode of Trend Lightly. I am your host, Molly McAleer, and not with me as always, unfortunately, is Brian Beckner. Guys, Brian Beckner, we have lovingly decided to... No, let me rephrase that. Ultimately, we just didn't have the same goals for the show. And Brian records three episodes a week over on The Baller Lifestyle. Make sure to go check out The Baller Lifestyle and give him lots of love. We still love Brian. It was not personal. It was not deep. It was very much just sort of like, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, I really wanted to continue John Lightly because talking about the news is something that I've always loved to do. And I think that there are, you know, a nice bunch of people who have joined the audience and I don't want to give up on it quite yet. And although it's going to be different without Brian for a little bit, I hope you guys hang in there. And if you don't, I get that too. One thing I do want to ask real quick is that, you know, ideally, and this is like a tall order in in today's day and age. And this is something that even I, (laughs) I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if I would engage in if it wasn't me which is that please don't speculate if, you know, there was never like, there's no timeline of things going wrong. There was no anything. And I think that it would, it would bum me out a lot if people were saying negative things about Brian or myself, because we made a decision that made a lot of sense for both of us. So with that being said, 
all peace, love, unity, and respect to my boy, Brian Beckner. And today, I brought my friend, Tiffany Maddox, on the show. Tiffany, say hi to everyone. Hi, Miles. I'm so delighted. I'm so excited and delighted to be doing this. I love the Guys, news. I love the internet. Surprise, we've gone international. Uh, <laughs> Tiffany, do you have a relationship with Croatia? I do not have a relationship with Croatia. Although, oh. isn't Dubrovnik, isn't that in Croatia? Oh, I have no idea. I, I hear it's beautiful this time of year. Shout out to Croatia. That's like one of our, you know, they love us in Croatia. We're huge wow. there. So Tiffany and I met a, a while back. Tiffany has like the ideal, it's the marriage of my dreams, quite frankly. <laughs> and we'll we'll probably get into that over the course of the show. But when it came down to me figuring out who I wanted to bring on to host Trend Lightly for, with me for the first, you know, week of doing it. It was very scary. And I realized, Molly, you know, the exact right person. It was the grown adult woman who was up until what, eight o'clock in the morning, UK time, <laughs> watching the Jake Paul fight the night before, yeah. uh, you know, Brian and I officially decided, okay, I need to figure out a new host, you know? Yeah, we did that. And, and I, I want to thank you for being that emotionally for me throughout that because I felt like I was really going through something I, I had like all of the stages of like is this a good idea do I really want to stay up to watch Jake Paul and then I was like I know someone who's going to be awake and who is going to receive this with love and you really held my hand through it and I I want to thank you for your support and for the lulls throughout that very no. For sure, for sure. Listen, you were the one who reminded me it was going on. I found a I found a place to watch it and I so enjoyed the fight. It was kind of great. You you said that you were watching it because your dad was a boxing presenter? No, my mom actually, my mom was a she was a ring girl for a period and then she worked <laughs> for Frank Warren. I know, she was so gorgeous. I think like my mum was very tall and very blonde and very beautiful and she had me very young and she got a job as a ring girl so she would literally you know walk around the ring with a with whatever, whatever round it was you know and she was like a hustler and she very quickly got a job working for Frank Warren who's like the UK's biggest boxing promoter and so yeah, I used to spend my childhood in like boxing press conferences and stuff. So like I was kind of justifying the like staying up late because I was like, I am a boxing legacy, but really right. I see Jake Paul. <laughs> well, oddly enough, one of the, like the most viral moments of the night involved Logan Paul and a ring girl. Um, oh we yeah. would not stop hitting on this ring girl. It was presented by Barstool Sports. Again, Great moves for my daddy, Dave Portnoy. I hate that I've actually, I mean, I don't like Dave Portnoy, but I've convinced myself I'm kind of attracted to him. And <laughs> it was like a bit at first. And now I actually am like, you know, his, he, that's crazy that he's in boxing now. Like, that's huge for them. Like, why am I so happy for Barstool? I don't know. <laughs> it's the surprise love affair of 2021. And I'm really happy for you. But let's get into some stories. You and I both watched some of the D'Amelio show. And mm -hmm. also, He's All That, the remake of She's All That, that is on 
Netflix right now. And these are these are significant pieces of entertainment, specifically because this is like finally the two big TikTok girls. Addison yeah. Ray and Charlie D'Amelio. We all knew that some sort of TV deal or movie or something was coming for both of them. And and now they're finally out. And this is the big test because traditionally social media to television does not work. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The other way around works beautifully, but this is not the way. And I think it's really fascinating that it doesn't really matter how far your star ascends on social, like how sort of stratospheric, like with the level of fame that you can get on the internet, that traditional media still has this like level of prestige to it that I think it's it's fascinating that you can kind of, you can, you can have like a hundred million, however many followers it is on TikTok, but like having a sort of Hulu reality show sort of legitimizes your fame in some way. It kind of ties it in a bow, like it gives it this, it kind of underwrites it, I think. Oh, 100%. It's like actual legitimacy. And and people have not always really wanted that. And there's always been blowback whenever someone from social media goes famous or mainstream. But particularly, I would say TikTokers have gotten a lot of shit because they don't have maybe the presentation that like a YouTuber would have or the reputation for being you know, super funny that a Viner or a tweeter type person could have. Like, I don't know who I, I can't like, it's very, it was very difficult for me to believe. And I think a lot of people to believe that girls who do 60 second dances on TikTok were capable of carrying a movie or a TV show. And okay. He's all that. It came out. I watched most of it. I know the plot of the movie. I was of age, of the age to enjoy the original. So I had a sense of what was going on. So the reviews are in and they're a little brutal. I didn't think this was a 2.6 movie, but I guess when you add up all the reviews on, oh, the that's the audience rating. Then IMDb is coming in at a 4.4. Rotten Tomatoes is giving us 30% and 36% from Metacritic. The user reviews are obviously there's going to be a lot of haters. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect the critics to love it, is what I would say. I made it all the way through. And what I would say is like the first 15 minutes were really rough. <laughs> they were really rough. And I didn't know if I could do it. But I have to say, I did make it to the end. And I kind of developed a Stockholm syndrome like feeling with it. Like I did start, I liked it for what it was. It was not good by any stretch. If I, and I was a member of the audience, was to rate it, I would give it like a solid six and a half, I would say. I think it's a Wow. Yeah. That's generous. That's generous. Yeah, I guess, you know, this was a huge hit for Netflix. They got, you know, six days of a number one movie. All sorts of people are talking about it. Can I be a little petty? I was confused about Rachel Lee Cook's performance. Was she, (sighs) did something great happen to her at the end of the movie to justify why she seems so depressed? (laughs) I didn't realize it was her until the very end. And I feel very stupid for that, like genuinely. I was like, 
oh my god Matthew Lillard's in this what a cool cute cameo how sweet and then it was just the very bitter end I was like holy shit I know well Cisco didn't make it back fuming and wasn't Usher in the original Oh, maybe it was Usher. Cisco was in the other. Cisco was in the one that was like the off-brand one. It's called like he's the thing or something. I don't remember. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this was never. She's all that was never my teen movie. I was more of a. Why can I not think of it? The name of the party movie, the greatest party movie ever with Jennifer Love. Can't hardly wait. Mm-hmm. I loved Can't Hardly Wait. I was big on 10 Things I Hate About You. This cool. story just never did it for me. And I think like right away it was, you know, it is super meme She's All That was like a very meme heavy movie. We have the, you know, kiss me walking down the stairs thing. I think they really took the trope of really beautiful girl takes her glasses off to the next level. I think yeah. they definitely made it. It became bigger because of that. But the number one way that this movie stood out, I think, from like your average movie of, of most kinds, really, is the sheer amount of product placement that existed in this movie. There is a TikTok that's linked in the description below where a girl watched this movie and there was 17 obvious product placements throughout the film. And they were name checking. Hard, really hard. Like from the moment she puts on her EOS lip balm at the very beginning, which is like the only time I've ever seen an EOS lip balm is when it's been in a music video or a movie. Like I've never seen one in the wild. I'm still waiting to this day to have somebody apply an EOS lip balm in front of me. So (laughs) like the part where... There's this really clunky dialogue where there's a pool scene that's been catered by Pizza Hut and by KFC. And one of the characters says, oh, cool. Could I grab a slice of Pizza Hut? What is like a sentence that has never been spoken out loud before in the history of the universe. Can for I take some reason, to go? <laughs> for some reason, like the lesbian BFF that this guy had, her main personality trait was like eating, I think. Yeah. In every yeah. scene, she was like, I'm here for the grub, dude, which is great when you're trying to like sell all of these products organically is give one of your characters a thing like they just they show up for free food. But yeah, Everyone knows it, it, things are hungry all the time. It's like one of the main traits of coming out is that you're filled with absolute hunger at all times. I know it happened to me. And uh, when I first came out, you know, as being queer, I was just starving. And that's, uh, I get it. I totally get it. Seamless. You were seamless so hungry. hungry. <laughs> Listen, I, I will say that because Addison Ray plays an influencer, some of this product placement felt more organic to me it would have felt less it would have felt like watching a really it already was a parody of an influencer in a way but it would have felt very dated and maybe even lifetimey to me if she wasn't hawking real product Mm. Mm. I think like this was a very good career move for her because she's essentially playing a version of herself and she doesn't have to do a whole lot of acting in it. I mean, not really. I think the times where I really noticed that, 
I mean, God bless her. I have nothing against Addison Ray. She seems very sweet and good for her. But the times where I noticed, I think, the decision to put a TikToker into a film with actual sort of actors was always times where she had to react in some ways. There's like, you know, there's acting and reacting. And she was, you know, delivering lines fine. But at any point when you had to see a look on her face, like, and react to something is when it just like, you could you could see almost like the cogs turning and that sort of facial expressions being sort of really labored over. And there were some actually very good, very talented young actors surrounding her, which I think was probably not helpful in that context. Listen, but thank God for I'll... Courtney Kardashian, because <laughs> Addison, by comparison, was a young Meryl Streep. Well, we need to pick that apart in a second. I do want to say that what Addison did, even just being able to go on set, and especially when you are on TikTok where you do exaggerated faces and you control the shot and there's very little surprise element in the videos that you make. It's so difficult to act even when someone else is putting the camera on you. But on a film set, to understand the smallness of that and to understand, like, just to feel natural, it is so surreal. If if you've never had a professional camera on you or been on a set it is so much pressure I personally I cannot do it it's like my biggest it's I that's where my line is drawn I can't get lost in that it's and I I thought that that was impressive that she seemed natural on camera I have a lot more thoughts about that too but speaking of you know what you were saying about how great the other actors were and how necessary I would say they were to fill out the whole picture. Bernard Hiller, who I believe is a casting director, gave a review of this film. Today I'd like to review Addison's Ray first acting job in a movie called He's All That. What Hollywood does with social media stars is they surround her with good actors and they sort of did that. Now you see in the first scene, her acting skills are a little bit weak. She's playing what I call an attitude. She's like, I'm gonna go do this and I'm gonna do that. There's no discovery. She's playing from the outside in and great acting is from the inside out. Now if she had more skills, she could be much better actress. The girl that I do like in it is a character named Alden. She's taking her time, watch her. But what good acting does is that it brings her and the whole scene up. So I really like it. But Addison keeps studying, otherwise you don't have a really long career. Now the second scene, well, my mom said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Courtney is just uncomfortable. You just see that she's just trying to memorize the words. You know, acting is a craft. You have to study it. Don't put yourself on camera because you're famous. That's never going to help you. And it's not helping Addison. It brings the scene down. Remember, Addison, surround yourself with the best actors and the best people. You'll have a great movie and you'll have a great life. I look forward to seeing what you're going to do next. I mean, I respect it. It's it's the sweetest roast I think I've ever heard. Like, it's it's very kind. It's very considered. And I... I respect it too, I have to say. It's also great professional advice. Listen, I actually think, well, I'll talk about my real thoughts on Addison when we sort of wrap up, but 
I, I honestly thought, the, of course, the most offensive acting in the movie was Kourtney Kardashian. And she was, as our friend Bernard pointed out, trying to just remember her lines in a way. She had that thing that I think I have where it's I can't be natural because I'm so concerned with doing everything correctly. She's just getting through like she's just getting through it. I have a like a dumb person question for you, which is the Addison Rae Courtney Kardashian friendship. I can't figure out, I can't get it straight in my head what the timeline is. Like, were they friends and then she was, she did a cameo in this movie or did they meet because Courtney was doing a cameo in this movie and then, you know, the Kardashian machine integrated Addison into their, like, you know, into the plot line, the storyline for the final season. I don't think that's a dumb person question at all. So Addison did answer this when she was on one of the Jimmy's talking about the movie and she said essentially that they had a few roles that were still open and Courtney and her were already friends so okay. Courtney came into the movie no I think they were friends with a for a while before the movie came out like you know in, in TikTok terms I mean you have to remember that most of these kids didn't even live in LA before 2020 like right. they moved the first couple months of 2020 and then like the whole world changed it's been a very limited amount of time that they've had notoriety at all and I think they're notoriety was definitely magnified by the fact that so many people were inside looking at their phone and watching TikTok. That's yeah, definitely a short and quick journey. But no, I, I actually believe the story. I believe the bit that Addison was probably set up through the Kardashians by maybe managers or maybe she as simple as she DM'd her. And Addison does seem like a really sweet affable girl she yeah. seems like the kind of like light energy you'd like to have around which is you know I guess sort of my main thing with Addison is I think that she's actually going to have a very long career she seems to be the one that was chosen I think that I could absolutely see her doing some sort of like I know what you did last summer style horror movies I think that she will not last long in the acting world most likely, I can definitely see her being a host. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Like, I think it's very smart of her. I think this is a very smart pick for her first sort of like on the, on the world stage acting role. And she had a really, I mean, I have to have a little, I have to have a moment about Tana Buchanan momentarily, but I'll do that in a sec. But I think it was a very smart pick. I think she'll probably burn a little bit brightly and then and then find her groove and find her niche because it's really difficult if you're a really young person and you suddenly have this huge amount of notoriety and you're also sort of like an exotic bird right like the attention is on you for a sec and then you have to find a way of like breeding longevity out of it and trying to kind of uh, kind of make your way I mean how many people in their sort of like their late teens, early twenties know exactly what they're, they're going to do for the rest of their lives? Like, no, she's trying stuff and like good for her. Like, it's very sweet. And if I was 15 years old and I was having friends over, I was having, you know, and we were just watching like a fun teen movie, I think I would really enjoy this. I think I would really, I would feel a little bit, um, 
proud that someone that I watched on TikTok was doing it. And I think I would feel a little bit protective. And like, it is what it is. It's like, you know, it's not going to win any awards, but I think I would kind of, it gives me vibes of like, if I saw it in Blockbuster video (laughs) as a teenager and I was buying Doritos and Maltesers and like going back to watch it with my friends, I think we'd probably all like, we'd all have a nice time with it. Like it's a good pick for her. At least secretly not hate it. Yeah. And we have to remember what it's must be like to be the it girl. I'm in no way comparing the two in any way, but at you know, the peak of Britney Spears's popularity, just as many people hated her as mm-hmm. loved her. People hated the sight of her. She was like an annoyance. And I think that that is the type of role Addison is playing right now when honestly, she's palatable. She's unoffensive. She seems easy to work with. Like those are all qualities that, you know, if you're already hot and you're already somewhat of a household name, you're going to stick around. She'll wind up in some sort of Jenny McCarthy type career, I think. Yeah, I think so. I can see her growing up and being pretty well grounded within herself I don't think I could say the same about some of the other big TikTok personalities of the now there's something about Addison that gives me hope that she'll probably make it through okay and relatively unscathed dude can I just say so Addison I feel like this is still on topic her ex-boyfriend is this guy Bryce Hall Bryce Hall was the one who did that boxing match. I believe we talked about it on here where he was promised $5 million just for stepping in the ring. And now the family vlogger who set up this boxing match is being sued for over $100 million by multiple people at this point. But Bryce Hall, dude, I have to say, because he is a little bit of a punk, like, I, I worry about him. I may be the only one who's worried about him because I worry for Aaron Carter. And I do feel like they are of the same breed. Yeah. I could see that. I could see that for sure. I mean, Aaron, Hart, Aaron Carter's having a second wind now. But I mean, we have a lot to answer for, <laughs> for what we did to Aaron Carter as a society. I know. I'm so, I'm, I'm concerned. Prayers up, Aaron Carter. He'd probably tell me to fuck off if I said that to him, but that's why we love him. You know, I love, I love my most challenging patients. Let's talk about the fucking D'Amelio show, dude. This is where I actually, I had a moment because Tiffany, the D'Amelio girls, Charlie D'Amelio, of course, guys, she was famous for like one month and they put her in a Super Bowl commercial. She has mm-hmm. like over a hundred million fans or or subscribers on TikTok. She's huge. She's makes millions and millions of dollars a year and she's taken her whole family along for the ride and they finally got a Hulu show. And the thing I love about Charlie D'Amelio is she is the most unoffensive, perfect person for I think to be the app's mascot in a world full of like troublesome influencers. I think generally Charlie seems like a very sweet and positive girl who's very average in a lot of ways, but because she is average and because her sister is also somewhat average, I, I was worried about 
a reality show. Both of these girls sort of whisper when they talk. And what a family like the Kardashians had going for them was that they were a pack of wild characters. Yeah. And the thing I think that has helped their star ascend so brightly is is that is with peace and love, like kind of their blandness, because you as an audience member, you as a, like a, a young person watching can essentially project whatever you need to onto Charlie and Dixie. If you need them to be the villain, then they will be the villain for you in their kind of, in their inoffensiveness, they become like a Rorschach test for like, what do you need out of this creator? And because of that, there is a sense that they're not really fully formed human characters, like that they are just kind of like water, like they exist. And I think that's kind of key to their popularity. And had I, had I not watched that, watched that episode, particularly the first episode of their reality show for this show, I would not have ever touched it. Not in a million years. There would be nothing that I would ever be interested in, not even slightly. So I decided to get, give it a chance because I thought in conjunction with he's all that, this is an interesting week for TikTok based media. But then I saw a clip and this is the clip that we're going to play in a little bit. That was so raw. And, and when you think about some of the things they may have been able to rely on before this show came out, for example, the sisters, very close friendship with James Charles also their close friendship with David Dobrik, like those probably would have been the things that made up a lot of this show. And there's TikTok friends around and stuff like that, but none of the bigger names. And both of those people have undergone massive scandal that is not family friendly and probably would hurt them to associate with them publicly. And so they went this route of showing a lot of the really honest dark sides of being tiktok famous especially when you are not someone who was groomed or or primed or really even like capable of functioning with this level of fame yeah i think it's 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 very interesting to me that there's a shift in this in this particular sort of episode in this first episode that you kind of go into it watching and thinking that it's going to be one thing and you think it's kind of going to be fairly run of the mill. And very quickly, I think what it does is it exposes the vulnerability of these young women and it kind of humanizes them in a way that I wasn't fully expecting to happen. And because, as you said, they don't have the kind of James Charles cameo to rely on here or the David Dobrik. I mean, like, you know, stars fall in and out of favor and become problematic with the drop of a hat so I think it's probably a risky strategy <laughs> for any reality show in the first place but it, it does there is a very distinct feeling of shift I also think it's pretty well produced I think it's very interesting that they sort of punctuate the episode with these these kind of comments and feedback loop type things on the screen so you can kind of contextualize what these young women are experiencing with the feedback because it kind of it does root it in something it roots it in this like humanity of who they are and like what they're what, like what they're living through which is fucking crazy because what is it 2019 they were living in Connecticut going to school living their lives 2020 they have a reality show they're earning millions of dollars it's- I mean this money is almost too good to say no to but yeah. when I hear Charlie D'Amelio is having 10 to 15 panic attacks a day 
uh, I don't know if my child being set for life is a price that I'd be willing to pay for the psychological damage that's happening to her right now. She does mm-hmm. potentially have this like Olsen twins potential possibility of being able to just go off the radar and not be a famous person. And I do think that's the direction she's going in, but her family. Yeah. They were smart about this. They, they, have Charlie and Dixie as executive producers. No one can like turn their nose up on getting your first executive producer credit at 17 years old. Mm. And I think that, you know, they really fight for their endorsements and their brand deals and they have so many. And I, I think it's hugely helpful that her dad comes from a business background because the unfortunate thing with a lot of these kids that blow up is that they don't have money management skills and they don't come from a line of people that have money management skills. And- I think I wrote cottage industry next to the notes for this. Like there is very clearly an industry of people on the payroll sort of making this happen and profiting mm-hmm. off it. It's a It's a tiny little ecosystem of people and it was striking to me actually just in the course of the one episode how many people we were kind of introduced to as the audience as the people kind of making this machine happen and actually that that kind of made my blood run cold that and also the fact that the parents were getting ready to name their their podcast (laughs) and it gave me like very Greg Paul and like Pam Paul energy a little bit I have to say I didn't like that I didn't like right there's a lot of criticism towards their parents, Dixie and Charlie's parents. And Dixie herself, she's, you know, she, I think, is age appropriate to be grifting from her sister's fame, so -hmm. to speak. But a lot of people wonder about the parents. Again, part of me says, how could you say no to that kind of money and that kind of opportunity? If you're hosting a podcast as the parents of two of the biggest sensations in America, People are going to have, there's going to be an audience of people who have questions about how you deal with that and how you were able to do it, right? But at what point is it just completely inappropriate for them to engage like that? And why do we care about them? We know why we care about Kris Jenner and Caitlyn Jenner. They both have lived crazy lives before all of this stuff. But with, you know, Mark and... What's the mom's name? I don't know, but she was a baddie when she was younger. When they showed the pictures of her, she was gorgeous. For sure, a knockout. Yeah, her their dad, I mean, I'll 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 hold back on like how I would characterize him, but I kind of do feel like he's got some Ben Affleck in him, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I couldn't help but think it was a bit of a a cash grab, you know? Like that was it gave me that. And also I did think not to get too like not to get too deep on it but at what point as a parent are you like able to and aware of like parenting your child when you know that the lifestyle that you're living is wholly dependent on their success and so like can you ever be truly objective no No, and there's no way to do something like this with integrity like I don't think you can with integrity host a podcast about being a famous parent Mm-mm. i don't think so I don't especially think so. like they're randoms like it's not like they raised jennifer garner i would like jennifer garner's mom to have a podcast <laughs> i would listen to a greg paul podcast bizarrely i think 
but oh, maybe one episode one on one yeah it would be awful <laughs> but let's just play this clip this very raw clip from the D'Amelio show on Hulu of Dixie's meltdown I, I this was right after she had done a video for Vogue that was like a follow me for 24 hours type video and everyone is a fashion expert when it comes to who Vogue should and shouldn't allow on their YouTube channel. There's always comments about that as if Vogue, you know, hasn't makes hasn't made mistakes or doesn't do things with intention, you know, but they, she was getting a lot of hate for it and it drove her to this scene, which I thought was very interesting that they included it. It's Dixie with her parents in a dark room. It's brutal. It's rough. It's It's really brutal. It's actually kind of tough to watch. I have to say. It is very difficult to watch. And I'll be real with you. Like while watching that, I kept thinking, when was the last time I cried like that? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. and I was, I was like 1920. Like you couldn't pay me to get that worked up over something anymore. (laughs) I just don't get hurt like that anymore but she's so young and being so attacked by so many people it's so obvious i i know that like that young anxiety you have life feels so serious at that age i was wondering if she's so musty is going to become the new nancy joe this is alexis naya's calling like it has the same like visceral guttural energy to it like that like heavy 
20s sob and cry of emotion. That's the one that gets me, though, is like, why did that get her? Right. Because she's great. Like, you've got a lot of stuff going on, Dixie D'Amelio. You're killing it. No one thinks you're musty. Why is that the one that hurts? Not here. You're not musty here, Dixie. No, we love you, Dixie D'Amelio. Proud of you. You are not musty. And we know it. (laughs) All right. This is incredible. I can't believe believe his name has already come up so many times in this episode, Logan Paul. Well, Logan Paul, he has a a stand, maybe. I'm not, not really sure how to put it. But this young man named Austin Wallace, he is, I believe, like, 22 years old he quit his job where he was making a hundred thousand dollars a year as a welder (laughs) and drove 12 hours to the woodley v paul boxing match and had a proposition for logan paul yeah he asked for a job not specifically any kind of specific job it wasn't like let me I'm a fantastic editor. Let me like, give me a shot editing your videos. It wasn't like, hey, I'm an incredible personality at stunts. Like, let me do that for you. I'm a great audio engineer. Let me work on Impulsive. It was simply, I think his pitch was, I'm 22 years old. (laughs) And I just need a, I just, I just want to work for you. Okay, so this got so much backlash. And before we like get into too much more let's just play the clip because I think you need to hear it before I don't I don't want people their judgment to be tainted by all of we have so many things to say about this here's the clip of Austin it's going to be a little teaser of him meeting Logan and then we're going to cut to Austin in his car after having met Logan and then we'll cut to the full video of when he met Logan from there just to make sense of it for you I quit my job. No. Wait, I'm, 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 I'm I, it's a story. I'm interested. It's a story. I just talked to Logan Paul. I mean, like, he was just being nice, and I get it. Media, whatever, he has to be nice. Before I approached him, he was bragging about making $3 million. I make $100,000 a year. I'm 22. I do make 100000 That's cool. And I want to... I want to act. I want to... I want to do these things. <laughs> I'm going to break down right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sitting in the cast. I don't even know what to do. Like, I did come up here by myself. I do have family, but we're not the closest. And I, I don't have really close friends. You know, there's millions of people trying to do what I'm trying to do. Watch the clip, okay? Did you sneak everything? No, I no, I didn't. I'm, I quit my job. No, wait, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm I, it's a story. I'm interested. It's a story. I quit my job legit two days ago. I came up here, took a risk. I'm originally from Ohio. Did you sneak up here? No, I didn't sneak in here. I, I didn't sneak. What do you mean sneak up? Like here? on on stage? Are you just like? Yes, I did. You one? It's one I of the did. sneak I the am, sneak I'm videos. Sorry, I, I just. Did you print the ticket and stuff? No, I just needed to talk to you. I really, I'm trying to talk to your brother. I'm trying to talk about business. Trying to talk about trying to get a job. 
Like you, I want to, I want to do media. I want to. I've been you, trying to. Get, what I have, are you good at? I was having dances. I did like What's that. I did, I, I did that video. You know, like going oh, you, like that. Oh, you, oh, you, yeah, you know. Oh, so you really got what it takes. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Then why would I, I, I need a mentor? Well, why mentor. would I do that? I want to be. I want to be like. I, I'm 22 years old. I'm just trying. I bet. I can't be a mentor right now, right? In my life, I'm a fuck up myself. I need a mentor. You know what I'm saying? Like I need connections, and you need people be around you. No, I didn't have connections and people around. I have Jake. That's it. Do you have a brother? Do you have people? You, friends? I don't. I don't. Friends? You got a, you got friends? You got a I don't. You don't have friends? I don't. I swear to God. <laughs> I'm here by myself. I'm here by bro, myself. Where are you from? I'm from Norwalk, Ohio. Bro, you're a good looking guy, bro. You have friends, bro. You're fucking lying. You have friends. <laughs> go, go make content. Do stuff with your friends. I'm glad you quit your job. It takes balls to do that, bro. But like now you got to act. Try to make a step. I'm not, media. but I'm not the guy directly, you're right? The, you're, def, you're the guy. No, you're the no, guy. No, bro. My team is this. Relax, bro. Relax. I'm, I'm not the guy. Like, I, you know, life isn't about handouts. You know what I'm saying? I know. I'm you not trying work. to get a handout. I'm not trying to get so a handout. What are you handout. trying to do? I'm trying to work hard I, for a little money. No money. I don't know. I can get a job somewhere else. All I want to move to L.A. And I want to I want to be able to be part of it. Look, I have to go. If you really are serious about it, bro, you should move to LA and just like you approached me, start making connections with every single person in LA. I'm serious. That's I will. it. I've always said this. If you have, if you're charismatic and you can talk to someone, you can make it in LA. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's my advice. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> I think that is a 10 out of 10 from Logan Paul yes. on my end. This video went crazy viral. It was all over Twitter. It was huge on TikTok. And Austin Wallace was getting absolutely flamed for the way that he handled this. And it's true, dude. Like, you cannot show up and be like a good looking white guy even though a lot of people would say that that's the ideal like you know you if anyone get away with it it's a good looking white guy no no no. you can't show up and be all of that and be fucking boring if you want to work in entertainment if you're just like a decent looking guy why are you going to logan paul for an acting job that's the last person you go to for like i want to be taken seriously as an actor logan paul <laughs> is can't work in hollywood because he did the suicide forest thing he has to create his own hype now so that connection is super odd, but then he doesn't even have like an on the spot lie. Like, like you said, this guy actually can edit. He edits his own vlogs. He did the, that challenge that he was referencing is very difficult. It involves like, you know, angles and a drama. It's one of the more ambitious TikTok trends right now. And he did that and it did well. And he just, he didn't, he didn't bring it. Like he just showed up. Why are you... <laughs> It was very like make a wish. Like it's a little <laughs> pathetic when like a very attractive guy doesn't know what to do with it. Like you already have all this, just have a little bit more. Or if you have truly no skills, at least show up being kind of like funny looking and interesting. You know what I, I mean? mean? Ugly it up. God bless him. He had 12 hours to think about this pitch too, which is the thing that always gets me. Like he seems fine. Like not, you know, not to tear his whole, I mean, I've gone through the mill with this guy. I've gone from like, I've gone through a whole ringer of emotions from like the initial, God, that's kind of, that's kind of pathetic to now. I think I, <laughs> I think I might be an Austin Wallace fan because I think that he's creating off the back of this, like a lot of anti-content. But my first question is you had a 12 hour drive, my dude, 12 hours in the car, in the truck, on your way down to see Logan Paul or whatever, you know, however long. And you couldn't like refine a pitch like you had, you know, you had your chance to shoot your shot. And when Logan says, oh, you really have what it takes. He says, not really. <laughs> like, 
like okay. what the fuck is what that want? what do you want no one needs another like you know pretty white boy just sitting around eating food like you don't no one needs that on their staff but you know he didn't bring a dvd i also don't think he had to quit his job to be there like just take a day off it was a it was a 12-hour drive but people have done crazier things simply auditioning for american idol where they know they're probably going to get rejected that's my thing is that I think Logan actually would have been incredibly impressed with this interaction, especially if he saw this guy out in LA and he was still doing that, like, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies routine. Cause that is absolutely fantastic advice he gave him, Mm -hmm. but it was going home and crying on the internet. Let me tell you, it's okay to not get the job. It's okay to even be a little bit underprepared, but the first thing you need to know about, this business in particular is that it is a rejection based business. Your yeah. whole career is surviving the nose. That is the truth is that people will tell, you know, as many times as you can imagine. And then one person will say yes, but then you still face another wall of nose. And it's about handling that with grace and being able to bounce back from that. And instead, now this guy is getting roasted. I mean, even Jake Paul made a video mocking him. How embarrassing. It is. But I would say he, in this sort of like beautiful anti-content content sort of performance art that he's now doing in the wake of it, which is like, behaving as if like the weight of the world is now sort of watching him and in reality it's probably you and me Mills, and maybe like you know a thousand other people at this moment in time sort of consistently checking in on his vlogs which are I'd say high art he is he's obviously trying to use this to bolster him there's a part of me that doesn't want to encourage him but I have to I have a confession to make Mills. so he got a cameo And I was like, what can I do for Molly to say thank you for like inviting me onto Trend Lightly? So I I paid him to do a cameo for you. Are you kidding me? I had cameo credit, so it basically didn't cost me anything. So I'm going to send it to you and I want you to live react. Oh my God, I have chills. Tiffany, this (laughs) this is so fucking thoughtful and nice. I'm dying. And also thank you for supporting him. See, because this, his story is not lining up. He has, you know, was making $100,000 a year as a welder. And then he came up with these t-shirts to kind of capitalize on the Logan Paul thing, but he didn't have the capital to order like the t-shirts that he needed to when I guess you could always use a website. You could print on demand, Austin. Come on. (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. So, okay. I can't believe it. Here's my Austin Wallace cami. Molly, well, um, Tiffany wanted me to um, make a video and tell you, well, your nickname is Bill Pepperhead. So uh, she wanted me to make a video, inspirational, and say uh, that she's happy to have you on her uh, Trend Lightly podcast. Um, so it's going to be awesome. Um, I just wanted to, uh, to call you and tell you that anything's possible, and you can always always if you put your mind to it accomplish it you got this i'm driving right now but um, it's a little unsafe but just be be be, have fun and um you know tiffany said to send this to you so have a nice day oh 
That is so sweet. Can I tell you that I I feel like if I get worried about him, because I am, thank you so much, Tiffany. I'm going to send that to the police to go arrest him as evidence because I do think my boy, he's speeding down the highway. You know, he has beautiful blue eyes. And so you can't help but notice that his pupils are real tiny. <laughs> I do think my boy might be having like a little bit of a manic episode. And I, I think and he might be. I'm glad that you gave him like gas money because in life, this is truly all you need is you just need the support of people, especially when you're going through some sort of mental health crisis that has led you to blow up your life for Logan Paul. <laughs> Listen, if it is my $15 that gets him just across state lines into LA and begins this fabulous career, then like my work here is done, quite frankly. I'm I I don't even know what to say. I'm so I'm overwhelmed by this act of kindness and and I'm so thankful for you. Like that was the, that is so sweet and unexpected. Yeah, I mean, so that means that you know, I'm on Cameo too and I don't run a I don't run like a I don't do it for profit sort of thing, but I'm on there mostly so I can refer other people. And it's um if 15 bucks comes out to about 12 50. So I'm I I think he's probably doing okay. Like, you know, I'm sure he's racking up some money. Right. I'm I'm just worried about him. Yeah, I think that it's what's really telling to me is that, you know, since the Logan Paul incident, he's been doing video blogs and they're very fascinating to watch for me because I always wondered what would happen to to someone who grows up uh very familiar with a particular style of of entertaining and they kind of ape that style for the camera, which is, it's very clearly that's what he's doing with his, with his YouTube vlogs. He's like using the music that like Logan Paul would use for intros. And he's doing a lot of kind of mugging at the camera and like quick cuts. And it's like, he's been on a, um, I don't know, like a one day seminar on like, you know, how to make content or something. And in it sort of, it's almost like a content by numbers. Like he's kind of, he's doing what he thinks, what he's seen and what he thinks will work, which is what a lot of content creators do. But there's also this underpinning, which is this like intense vulnerability that I see. And I am like a vulnerability vampire. Like I'm obsessed with vulnerability. I love it. I love it when you find someone who seems to be devoid of irony and cynicism and like, I watch so much TikTok that I'm always waiting in a TikTok that seems very sincere for a punchline. So the whole time I'm watching it, I think that like something's going to happen at the end that's going to be a punchline. But like with right. him, the punchline never comes. Like it is like, it's deeply both sincere and insincere at the same time. And it's incredibly vulnerable and also incredibly performative. And it's like high art. Well, so this was interesting because like, you know, he's trying to play it off. He's trying not to let it affect him. And this is a very common strategy in social media. Once you are getting a lot of shit, you want to have a positive reaction to it. You don't want to be that person who has a meltdown about it. So he's sort of fighting through the pain a little bit and his eyes tell a different story, but he has a, an uplifting message he, he shared on TikTok, which I thought was Mm, I don't know. It feels a little, it feels reactionary more than like driven by anything. Maybe it's even a self 
mantra. Let's play this video. Person on TikTok, you have a goal that you woke up and you were thinking of and you want to accomplish it, or you got something that you've been wanting to do for years, but everyone's holding your back saying you're going to fall on your face and that makes you upset. But go do it, go follow your dreams and go accomplish it. But wait, you're afraid that you're going to cry when you fail. Of course, you're going to get upset and you might cry a little bit and you might fail. But guess what? The most important part is getting back up. You got this. And to cry, that's completely normal for a human being to cry, a man or a woman. It's completely normal when you are emotional about something you are doing, no matter what it is. If you're thinking of something right now while you're watching this video, you want to go accomplish it. Go do it. Everyone has goals. Go accomplish your goals, people. <laughs> he's I a love beautiful my boy. He is, he's, I, he has, um, he has Labrador energy, I think. Oh, totally. This guy, I would have let this guy ruin my life. And this is like a, you know, a dark haired guy with a tan and blue eyes. Like, come on, end me. And then this was a little bit of a more sort of raw moment from him. I'm going to post because uh, there's a lot of stuff going out and people making fun of me and <laughs> no, I'm not going to cry, dude. Thanks. I appreciate all the fucking negativity. Thank you. So, you know, you brought up the the fact that he's really copying and pasting Logan Paul's vibe mm. pre-suicide forest. And the thing that's kind of difficult about that is that Logan was like 20 years old and also vlogging was very different back then. Yeah. And it feels strange to wake up a 22 year old man and pick up an expired vlogging style it does it, it, it is of a, it is of a moment and he's doing what he thinks is gonna work and I think funnily enough had he taken this taken this experience of being rejected by Logan Paul in front of millions of people and humiliated and been very real about it I think he probably would have garnered a lot of support from people. I think that people would have understood what he was doing, but I think that he's probably not quite right in himself enough to articulate what he needs to in order to be that kind of vulnerable. So what he's just relying on a on a really outdated style that he thinks is going to work for him. And had he been like very truthful and very real with it, I think we'd probably be having a different conversation about him. Wait a minute. Something just hit me. Do you think that this is an example of an extrovert who has been starved of the social attention they need in order to survive for so long that they are transporting themselves back to like 2017? <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. Do you think maybe he's trying to chase a lifestyle that like, isn't relevant anymore because it doesn't exist very possibly very possibly I mean he seems I when I watched some of his like very early TikToks that even that felt a little like of a time like it, he clearly was sort of understanding TikTok and like going through the motions of it and doing but I couldn't I couldn't give you like a a, a clean read on exactly like what Austin Wallace is all about like I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Like it seems, it seems like he's just kind of just trying shit and clowning a little bit and um, and falling back into what he what he thinks he knows will work. 
One thing that I saw another sort of country boy who would probably be Austin's peer if he was back in his welding times was how Austin's style has changed so much Hmm. from just, you know, in the last few weeks, he was not dressing like himself when he showed up to the Logan Paul thing. He was, wasn't wearing his standard sort of like flannel hat thing. He was wearing like a neon t-shirt, something that honestly he would probably think a Paul brother would wear. Right. And I think that is a huge, just like, for branding in general, a huge part of being successful on social media is like knowing who you are and sticking to it. Yeah, there's a lack of authenticity that runs through all of this that I think is the issue a little with him. Like, he is trying to be something that he isn't. And if he was just simply himself, then at least he'd be able to gather a sort of a group of people around him that, you know, he could be his authentic self with. And if it hits and it hits, I'm fine. But he's never going to win just being something that he's supposed to be. It's just never going to happen for him. Right. Well, he's decided anyway, despite all of this, to pick up and move to Los Angeles. Um, I know. And a complete, like, a complete 180 because in vlog number three, the infamous vlog where he goes to go and get his job back, he gets his job back. And then the very next video is him going, I've got a bag and I'm on my way to LA. Like, Jesus, Austin. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. That's the the part of it that concerns me. That's when I'm like kind of not having fun with it. Because, well, no, he is the right age if you're going to ruin your life. Now is a good time to do it. I feel like a lot of people are going to be rebounding in the next few years. But... Let's play this this video of him on his way. 
people I have one I have one bag one truck and two days of driving what do you all think do you think it's insane that I just want to go to LA and risk it all for the biscuit risk it for the biscuit let's go who agrees He's a good-looking guy. I can't say it enough. I mean, he should really just go to L.A. and quit social media, change to, like, a different actor name, and take some acting classes. Mm. Maybe he can – I mean, could he weld stuff in L.A. whilst he does auditions? Like, is that a possibility for him? That would be my advice. Like, do a little bit of welding on the side. Well, it's a trade, so that's the great thing about having a trade is that you can do it whenever, wherever. Like, that's something that a lot of actors, you know, don't have. I think you'll remember Luke Perry was paving the sidewalk across the street from Beverly Hills High, and that's how he got cast on the show. Oh, this could be his break. I think I'm, I'm very pro Austin Wilding and just auditioning. I, but- I want that for him. There's a reason why famous people on TikTok are such a bummer. And it's because most of our favorite actors or musicians, they're not funny. They're not. And we don't need them to be. Mm-hmm. We need them to be good at, at what they do. Like, it's okay that, you know, this actor from such and such show isn't a comic. They don't need to be. And so maybe, you know, the best thing for him is to pull back on the social media presence. Yeah, focus I think on like he doesn't need to document a trip to Chipotle. Like, I think we, I think we can live without it. Oof, that was rough. Yeah, he made rough. like a, a complimentary Chipotle ad, I would say. Um, <laughs> well, this is much less fun. But of course, because it is the internet, there's still fun nuggets within it. Texas banned abortion after six weeks this week, which is absolutely crazy it is by far the most strict restriction on a woman's right to make decisions for her body in this country it's insane honestly a lot of us cannot believe we're living through this time and thankfully like silicon valley showed up like lyft and uber have offered to pay the legal fees if any of their drivers are caught up in this and of course A cynical part of me knows it's because they want them back on the road driving Uber. (laughs) But I think that that's a – I mean, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, for all the shit that's talked about big tech, and I'm guilty of it, it, there's a huge amount of money and a huge amount of sway there. And those companies that are, like, godlike figures set the tone for how people are going to behave. And for them to put their head on the chopping block – essentially uh, make this call I think is like a a very good thing that will ultimately hopefully benefit people and benefit women and doesn't seem like a sweaty PR stunt to me well because it's new big money right like all of the traditional brands coca-cola you know xerox they're not going to take a stand on this because they don't really have to they and, and also a lot of their money is very conservative but you know tech money is new and it's it's belongs to most mostly young left-leaning people i i feel and we also had support from reddit because right away what happened with essentially what happened when they passed this law they also made it 
so that if you can find, hunt down someone who you suspect got an abortion or is known to have gotten an abortion, you can bounty hunt them. And not only is this going to be like a fun, sick game for just people who hate women, but it stands as a way for people to make a living torturing young women who, or, you know, anyone who chooses to get an abortion. It's, you know, obviously all sorts of people get pregnant now. Um, So here's a woman who basically just sort of explains it in summary. Texas GOP legislators just made it legal for Americans to hunt down other Americans and turn them in for a bounty for having a safe and legal procedure in this country. The GOP rules with pitchforks. So a lot of this is obviously in response to the fact that people are coming out and saying, you know, my offer is out there. If, you know, you're a friend of mine or a friend of a friend, certainly you don't want to just take anyone into your house, especially if, you know, someone's going to maybe get bounty hunted over it. You know, you're more than welcome to stay with me if you need a little vacation in California, (laughs) you know, and I think that might be part of why it is. So it's like if you know someone was out of state and that they may have terminated a pregnancy during that time, you are free to go pick them up, turn them in, and get some cash. It's the grossest. It's like the grossest thing I think I've seen in a long time. I think I was especially bummed out by this story this week because A, I had my period and everything upset me. And B, like I've spent a lot of time in Texas. My husband lives in Texas. I begrudgingly have this sort of like strange place in my heart for Texas and it's not it's sort of incomprehensible and it's kind of gross and we don't have the the closest thing that we have to this kind of thing in in my country is that Northern Ireland and no longer in the in the south but would have would have were basically strictly anti-abortion like you couldn't have an abortion in those countries like a safe and legal abortion so women would fly from either Northern Ireland or the Republic of Ireland to the mainland of the UK to have abortions for many many years I can't imagine I cannot imagine the uproar if there was suddenly a financial incentive to turn in women who were at their most vulnerable for a profit it's like it, it it makes my flesh crawl. Like, I'm furious about it. It's sick. And so, of course, you know, because this is now a law and probably thinking that because of that, they, you know, deserve to have valid spaces on the Internet. They these groups set up reporting websites. Thankfully, GoDaddy, very attracted to you, GoDaddy. That <laughs> continues. I they they basically said we're not doing this you guys have you know a week to go figure out some other place to set up your website but we're not hosting websites where people turn in strangers who may or may not have gotten an abortion and before that even happened there were people setting up tons of bots to make sure that these requests were being sent you know, every 10, 15 seconds so that they would be so overwhelmed with requests that it would be a fruitful effort, essentially, fruitless effort. But there was a group set up on Reddit for 
Texas Bounty Hunters, and they described themselves as a community dedicated to sharing tips on identifying, reporting, and collecting bounty on those breaking Texas law SB8. So let's go over some of the posts that existed on this Reddit before they were taken down. As a bounty hunter, would it be unethical to collect bounty on a perp that I impregnated? Uh, yeah there we go there's your answer yes it would yeah I do my best to live my life by the good book but as God only made me human I occasionally stumble and fall several weeks ago I was having a beer and shooting pool the local watering hole got to chatting with the pretty waitress one thing led to another and by the time the sun came up we had become sinners in the eye of the good lord But then a miracle happened. A few weeks later, she got in touch with me to tell me that we had conceived and brought brought life to the world. But she told me that it was her wish to terminate the pregnancy on account that I am unemployed and that she makes a very meager salary. I objected, of course, but she persisted and has scheduled the abortion procedure for next week. She has asked me to give her a ride to the clinic on the day of the procedure because she does not want anyone else to get word of this, and I agreed to. Would it be unethical by bounty hunting standards if I were to haul her from the clinic directly to the county sheriff? It feels like a bit of a betrayal of her trust, (laughs) but at the same time, it's her body and her choice, and she has made the choice to take a life away from the living. Do you think that's legit? Do you think a real human being wrote that? So this one, I, I think sounds, it sounds too ridiculous to be true. Yeah. However, some of the cases that were or some of the posts that, you know, you could find up were also remember to send your love to the bill sponsors who made this possible. If you're represented by them, donations, if you can afford it. Personally, I will be sending 35% of whatever I can earn. (sighs) I think, oh, God, what a stupid waste of your money. What a stupid use of your money. Absolutely ridiculous. I can't even like it just makes me it makes me rage. Literally makes me rage as vile. List of locations to find perps. I mean, that's stalking. Yeah, that's very predatory behavior to go out and try and find particularly vulnerable women to make a profit off. People could legitimately make a, a pretty a pretty decent living off this. And it wouldn't surprise me if there were if there were some pretty entrepreneurial people with a lot of hate in their heart that were essentially gonna make this their career path from this point forward. You know, there's people who are disappointed that it's like, you know, the statute of limitations is up or you can't turn in people who did this before. I mean, there's people who are probably more upset about the money than the termination of the pregnancy itself. That's the sickest part of it is, you know, there's already people trying to turn in people for having gotten an abortion in the past and not getting the memo. Oh, hundo P. Absolutely. Hundo P. Yeah. So TikTok activists also are flooding the site with spam. In particular, one thing that was very popular was Shrek porn. Oh, my favorite. That's nice I love. To see. I love the Shrek porn. It's brilliant. It's it's lighthearted. It's funny. They won't know what to do with it. I I mean, what do you think? Is this is this really? Do you think at the end of the day these are all Christian? groups running this or are there just people is or is there a large amount of people who just like to see women suffer and have their choices taken away i think i think our society fundamentally hates women like 
first and foremost. And sometimes you forget that as a woman, you are kind of hated in some capacity in some circles. And every once in a while, something will happen that will remind you that exactly what your place is in the world. I think that there is like the the money element to this is is the extra grotesque part, I think. Because if the heartbeat bill passed and there was a, a kind of huge restriction on women's uh, women's rights and bodies in that particular state, then I think everybody would be pretty bummed out um, and pretty upset. But this sort of this new introduction of of the of the American dollar into the into the equation gives this a more sinister edge than just like the the typical kind of like ultra conservative like lawmakers like appeasing a certain subset of society it's such a it's such a weird argument too like the sort of it's always very emotive people will always have a pretty strong standpoint either way but this now takes it into this like grotesque upper level and i think there would be a lot of people for whom would probably not say that they would identify as misogynists but if you literally profit off women's pain and misery then I'm sorry to say, sorry to this man, but like you are, <laughs> like, right? You just are, like simply, like by it is what it is. Yeah, by definition, for sure. It's weird because you know there's also men that are going to be hailed as you know some sort of feminist icon for not thinking that this is okay. Yeah, my favorite I... comment always. Oh, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, I feel the same way as you about Texas. I, I have this weird fondness for it, despite not being from there. I've often said that I wanted to retire there. And unfortunately, like, I just really wanted to retire before menopause, if I'm being honest <laughs> with you. Yeah, same. I really think there needs to be some sort of fund, if there's not already, to offer like carpooling out of state or whatever for the people that don't have resources because a lot of people are going to have the resources to leave town but the sheer number of people who are are simply just like not going to have a ride and that's like stopping them from being able to leave the state is that's I mean it's those communities it's going to hurt the most of course it will hurt the poorest women in the poorest areas with the you know, it's really easy to say, like, just go out of state and don't tell anyone, take a vacay. But like, if you're living check to check, then it's not really something that you can do easily and readily. It kind of speaks to a level of privilege. So yeah, I, I agree. I think there should be some sort of like, there's probably going to end up being like an underground sort of railroad network of hopefully women getting getting out of state. But I always love the the TikTok teens that protest outside of the clinics and my just favorite top comment of all time it makes me laugh every time I think about it is if we're God's children then why not give him full custody just makes me laugh every time I read it that is so true dude yeah (laughs) clinic defenders in Charlotte it's crazy because like there's a guy named Chris who just protests outside of this clinic every day and I feel like if I just said Chris, some people, there's at least one person listening to this who knows exactly the Chris I'm talking about. I know the Chris. Don't they always put filters on him so that he looks like a frog? Yeah, like a broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a broccoli, yes. Yeah, I do. I I, I feel for Chris though, because I kind of think Chris, like, Chris, Chris hates his life. I realize that the church is paying him to stand out there though. So like he right, really might 
you know. He might. He might. And it might actually, I get the sense from Chris that his heart's not really in it, but he's just kind of, he's making, it's like everybody needs a, like a hobby and he's very clearly <laughs> sort of not, like maybe he's retired and this is just like where he goes now, you know, like some old men, they go and play pool every day. Like this is Chris's pool. Yeah. Or, or like it pays better than the grocery store. Like maybe he <laughs> had enough to retire his, his big full-time job, but he still has to make a little extra income. You know, he, he likes does. to be comfortable. I do think though that, yeah, no, I mean, this is, if we got Chris a hobby, we could save the spiritual lives of a lot of young women, I think. Agree. Okay. Um, but real- before we move on, can I just tell you my GoDaddy story? Oh my God, please. <laughs> I too am a GoDaddy stan and when you sent me the article about GoDaddy kind of essentially kicking off the protesters every time I read GoDaddy I think about this so right before I was about to move out when I was living at home so I'd finished university and I was I was living with my mom my mom's you know single mother I'm a only child just the two of us I was maybe 20 and my mom was like I think because I was an adult at that point really up in my business like very heavily and I think it's because I was about to move out and things felt a little bit out of control I'm defending her but this is like gross behavior on her part so she went through this phase of like opening my mail and and like kind of reading my my mail my post and I'd gone away for the weekend and my mom had opened my mail and she and she (laughs) she had it she had a bank statement of mine sat on the table, the living room table. I remember it so vividly. <laughs> and I came to the door and I was like, hey, mom, like, what's what's going on? And she was like, sit down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and she was like, I've been through your bank statements and I have a question for you. And I was like, okay. And she was like, what is GoDaddy? I was like, what do you mean? What is GoDaddy? Like what? She's like, what? is go daddy I, I was like what do you what do you think go daddy is I can't. I can't. I was like as like it's domain like registry and like web hosting and she was like oh and I was like what what did you think it was she thought it was a sugar daddy escort service that I was like paying a fee to to like be a sugar baby and I was like you should be so lucky if that I no, would be honestly baby. like that's kind of a compliment but I love that she <laughs> sat at home like all weekend stewing yes. ready to bust you and at no point like even consulted with the friend like she probably just called up like her best friend and was like well Tiffany's whoring herself on the internet <laughs> why didn't she google it it would have been uh, so no. easy <laughs> she was probably afraid of what she would see (laughs) she's like I just if I go on there and I see her that's it that's the end I can't I can't even conceive of it so now (laughs) if I see GoDaddy sometimes my husband will say to me what is GoDaddy (laughs) (laughs) no it's so funny it's so good I would have I would uh bring that up in every fight for the rest of my life (laughs) with my mom every time I'd be like you thought I was selling myself on GoDaddy like you have no you hold no weight here I wish and if they offered it to me I would thank you so Tiffany we are both big fans of the Cartagons absolutely the Cartagons life or death live or die ride or die and this is really like less of a story than this is just another like personal interest thing and I want to put out my feelers maybe someone can provide me with an answer it's sort of a mystery 
that I'm having right now. So as a fan of the Cartagons, you know that they love Carousel, the Armenian restaurant in Glendale. Big time, big time. I know that the, Kim definitely went there for a birthday. That's what, that's what I know of Carousel. Wasn't it? Uh, it was um, Daddy Kardashian's favorite favorite restaurant? It was. It was his favorite restaurant. It's traditional Armenian food. For those of you who aren't familiar with LA, this might sound a little bit like an episode of The Californians. It It's, you know, niche LA traffic stuff in particular. But to clarify, like, the Magic Castle, which is a... You know, we've talked about the Magic Castle on here. It's like a, it's a secret society, not really. It's a members-only magic club with very strict rules. It's a big deal to go to Magic Castle. It's almost impossible to become a member there. You have to be on a list that where you're also approved by like seven dis- different sources. It's very difficult to become a part of the Magic Castle. I don't think it's something that even your average person can buy tickets to. So I was trying to find a place to go to dinner with my friend yesterday, about 30 to 40 minutes away with traffic from the Magic Castle in Glendale, where I live. And I found Carousel. And I was like, oh my God, I've been meaning to go to Carousel. I've been meaning to check it out. Yeah, I maybe had it one time before. This will be a perfect spot to go. So I look it up to send my friend the address. And I'm going through some of the reviews. And I see that this guy named David D. This was a month ago. He left a review that says, I absolutely love this place. Visiting the Glendale area for a trip to the Magic Castle. And we found this great restaurant. Best Middle Eastern cuisine we've had in a long time. Service was beyond excellent and the atmosphere was enjoyable. As we sat on the sun porch for our lunchtime meal, we enjoyed the hummus, pickle tray, Mediterranean salad, lentil soup, lamb kebab plate, and chicken shawarma. We also indulged in a piece of the baklava, which was excellent. Okay, so... This feels a little bit like he's just trying to brag that he went to the Magic Castle to me. Because while there's also a Hollywood location for Carousel, they specified that they were visiting Glendale for a trip to the Magic Castle. I I mean, that's like me saying I, I visited LA to go to Disneyland. When everyone knows Disneyland's in Anaheim. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm still a little unclear on what Magic Castle is, if I'm honest. But okay. it sounds like I would want to go there if it's exclusive. So here's the deal with Magic Castle. I think if you love magic <laughs> and you are from like a, a, a wealthy California family, the Magic Castle is Soho House on 10. It's like a private Disneyland if that is your deal, if you like that. Magic Castle's basically like the top magicians in LA have like residencies there. There's like people pop in, but it's not like David Blaine. It's like niche magicians. And there's all sorts of little surprises there. Like there's talking mirrors and a piano that plays itself. And like some things that are really sort of like, woo, but also Magic Castle serves dinner and drinks. A lot of people feel like the Magic Castle is a place to go get fucked up and see some magic. 
Okay. But, but their dress code is insane. And when I say insane, like most it's diff- it's very difficult to dress for the Magic Castle. Like as a woman, you have to be both modest but sexy or elegant. You your jacket, I think my jacket got taken because even though it was like a gorgeous like cashmere jacket, it was gorgeous. It was like I wasn't wearing some like weird thing. It had a pocket. <gasps> no pockets at the Magic Castle. And it was like, you know, I guess it's unseemly for a woman to wear a pocket in it's, the dining it's, room. It's very shameful. <laughs> I didn't know. And then when we went outside Magic Castle, you know, to smoke a cigarette, like adults, my boyfriend at the time gave me his jacket to wear. And they like tried to kick us out. They were like, sir, you have to put your jacket back on. And he's like, my girlfriend's cold and you took her coat. And he's like, sorry, you have to put your jacket on. We're going to have to ask you to leave. Oh, shit. And it almost became like a thing. Like, I was like, oh, my God, take the jacket. Like, that's how like it started to ramp up very quickly to a place where I was like, "Okay, no, 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 stop. Like, we'll just (laughs) we'll smoke at home. It's fine. (laughs) So it was. Yeah. I mean, I can't say I had the most enjoyable experience. Maybe I I think it's a lot about who you go with, like the person I went with like looking back was not the best person to experience things with for the first time. Mm-hmm. Cause I think you have to really go balls out. If you're going to magic castle, you have to be fully prepared <laughs> to enjoy all of it, but it's very, it's very secretive. It's very private. It's a big deal to get invited. Most people can live in LA for years and not go. A lot of people assume that like it's a star studded event. And while there may be, you know, a few people of note, it's not like the membership is made up of just famous people or or people with like a certain level of access. I mean, the access that they have is maybe money. That's it. Okay. I, I feel like, is this a good read of the place? Would Holly from Girls Next Door, the ex-girlfriend of Hef, possibly be seen at the Magic Castle? I think, yes. Okay, I think Holly would like the Magic Castle a lot, but I think that she wouldn't get some of the hype. Okay. And would Bridget, would Bridget like the Magic Castle? I Bridget would love the Magic Castle. But Kendra would be unbothered. No, yeah, Kendra would get, Kendra wouldn't be allowed in the Magic Castle. She'd come and she'd have pockets and it would be instantly like she'd have to leave. No, I really think also it's a thing where they can like just turn you away because they don't like the look of your face. Like it's like right. one of those places that has <laughs> like so <the> game. Many, <laughs> yeah, they have so many rules that like it's really just about figuring out which one they can apply to you if they don't want you to come in. Okay, so if it serves food and drink, why was David and Glendale at Carousel? Right. Right. And then when when it comes back to that, this is the freakiest thing, Tiffany. I'm not going to make a big deal over one liar named David, (laughs) even though I think it's absolutely insane and bizarre that he would ever even like what an odd thing to clearly lie about. But then this was sent to me by Sienna. Okay, listen what she has to say. This is from Doris E. She also gives it five stars. This was three months ago. 
So David D. Doris E. I, she Maybe she kept her last name. I don't know how often they frequent the area, but it seems like they're unrelated. She writes, Carousel has a great Lebanese-Armenian food in a relaxed environment. Everything had we had was fresh and full of flavor. Visiting the Glendale area for a trip to the Magic no. Castle. No. And we found this great restaurant. Best Middle Eastern cuisine we've had in a long time. Service was beyond excellent and the atmosphere was enjoyable. We sat on the sun porch for our lunchtime meal. Hmm. Sound familiar? We really loved our food and had a great experience there. Okay, sun porch for a lunchtime meal. Magic castle. So I was, you know, I thought I'd go down to Carousel. You know, I did have a reservation. So I just thought I'd go down there to investigate further. My waiter did not, I did not get the vibe that I could ask him about this. Okay. So I'm hoping, you know, I told Christina, maybe I'll find like one of the grandkids of the people (laughs) that owns Carousel and I'll ask them because like they'll give me the time of day and answer the question. Right. But if anyone has any ideas, I mean, it. I know it's not a copy pasta or something, but why are you lying about the magic castle? Like, are they just trying to show up on, is this like a, like a metadata sort of thing? Or like, are they just trying to say it so that it shows up in the SEO? Like when you Google magic castle, you get the option of going to carousel. I thought that there was maybe some sort of carousel magic castle conspiracy connection that was allowing both Doris and David to I don't know well that's what I'm wondering because I'm like maybe the owners of Carousel that's exactly who would have memberships to the Magic Castle would you consider doing a long read on this and possibly getting a Pulitzer I honestly, I might. Yeah, I think I might have to do that. But if you guys have any idea why people are fucking lying about being in the Glendale area because they're visiting Magic Castle, like this isn't even the closest place where there could be an affordable hotel. Like you could go to just Burbank and you're right down the street. Just go Barham Boulevard and you're right there at the Magic Castle. So I can't, I can't even begin to express to you how strange this lie is. If you live in the area, reach out to me. If you know anything, Armenians, my Armenian clout chases. friends. <laughs> these these fucking Yelp fucking clout chases. Clout chasing. That's how I feel. But also I'm like, maybe there is a common trajectory. Like maybe this is a, you know, you're coming from like three hours north. So like you don't realize how far Glendale and the Magic Castle are. Maybe... You want to go to Kim Kardashian's dad's favorite restaurant? (laughs) Which I totally would. I think all of my regrets in life is that when I was in LA for work, I both didn't go to Sir, which I would have loved to have done, even though they had an outbreak of food poisoning, so I could live my Lisa Vanderpump fantasy, and that I never visited Glendale to go to Carousel. My two biggest regrets in life. My tip for anyone going to the Vanderpump restaurants skip the food maybe order an appetizer and just get drinks orders eat before you go because the food is all just frozen and thawed and very underwhelming doesn't surprise me in the slightest although it does one time we had the guy what's his name not not mauricio but he's the older guy that owns with with lisa and ken g same because of the g guillermo 
And he Yo was Guillermo? He, he was there? Yeah, he served our ta- he waited on our table. Oh shit. And like made it nice. Well, I don't know. Maybe he just like came by and like judged it or whatever, but we were sitting in like the big room and he kept showing up and it was so bizarre. Cause I've always thought that Guillermo and his wife were kind of the sleeper hits on Vanderpump Rules. I had to watch that in like very, very short bursts with breaks in between because it made me really sad. <laughs> it made me it's very sad. sad. I wonder how I would feel if I rewatched it from the beginning. Or you could see Stasi just as she's got her like her first like new chin and like is just living her life. I I kind of stand her, I have to say. But I the, the rest of them I did I found it very hard watching. I have this like maybe this is why I like have this uh, identify with Austin Wallace in some way. But like people's like raw like chasing of dreams is like really painful for me. Like it makes me itchy. And I think like in the very first season, there's a girl who gets a part with Jennifer Aniston on that movie <laughs> where they're smuggling drugs into Mexico. Fuck, I forget what it's called. Cake? Yeah, no, it's the it's the one with Will Poulter. And she she goes to she goes to like quit her job and she's like, That's it for me. I'm going. I finally landed a role and I'm gonna be playing opposite Jen Aniston. And I remember watching the movie and oh. she plays a character called Bona Garage. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> right, right. And I was right. like, How do I wash this off me? Because I feel like it's on me. I need to get this off. Laura me. Lee, right. Sorry. I heard Jennifer Aniston and drugs across the border and I immediately thought of that movie cake. Wow. Okay. Sorry. I ADD'd out there for a second. Laura Lee, yeah, God bless her. I I still follow her on Instagram. Oh, she has a low-key life, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Tiffany, did you see this video before I sent it to you? The one with is it Lael Hansen? Lael. Yeah, I got it in my FYP. And what did you think when you first saw this video? This It's a promotional video, essentially. It looks like like an MTV produced it. Yeah, I, I said no, and then I swiped forward. I said no. I No, I don't want it. Thank you very much. And then I gave it a second look when you had sent it to me. And I was like, oh, it's this lady. Oh, this makes me feel funny in my tummy. I think Amanda Palmer has a lot to answer for when she did that talk about the ask, you know, was it the art of asking? I was like, oh my gosh, just, yes. We have to yes. stop asking. <laughs> we have got to stop asking. And we just need to like receive with, re- receive with sort of a, I want to say comfort and sort of gentleness. Like we don't always have to ask. Sometimes it's okay not to ask. Right, so like, this girl has like the opposite vibe of Austin Wallace and that she probably is fairly talented and she definitely does not need to do all this. And she got called out for it very quickly, but she has decided to market herself as the underdog, which is kind of anti what I know Gen Z to love. Like they hate, they think millennials are so embarrassing that we're so you know, we throw ourselves under the bus, like we act like children. (laughs) And to that (laughs) I say, fair. But this video, it surprised me that she 
went forward on marketing with this. My life fucking sucks. I'm an artist from the middle of nowhere. I've never gotten lucky or had any overnight success because I refuse to sell my soul. My life is pretty boring, but I know my music is special and my videos are gonna win a Grammy. The only thing I don't have is a friend because my best friend who I thought was my biggest fan turned out to be my biggest hater I don't need her though because hopefully I have you let's prove her wrong by blowing this shit up sharing with everyone and getting our song to 10,000 pre-saves by my birthday in five days when our song goes platinum I'll look back at the pre-saves and remember you a real friend that changed my life but for now so it's a perfect loop it is I believe it cost from what I was able to figure out through I just like reading basically random shit. It's a real trust me, bro, that this <laughs> video cost $20,000 to produce. Uh, she obviously used a very expensive cinematic camera to make it. Yeah, but she did. It looks like she actually shot out a bunch of content on whatever the day was, because there's also like there are subsequent follow-up TikToks that also have like really excellent sound and some really like some very cinematic production value behind them. So I feel like the thing that gives me pause and there's a lot of reasons to be cynical about this, but one of the things is like there was clearly a very calculated like campaign staggered around this and there was very clearly like a sh- like a shoot day that happened where a lot of that content was shot. It is well it's just so not the vibe, like who spends $20,000 to make a video about how they're a loser down on their luck with no friends? That's such a poor jumping off point to begin with. But then also it turns out it's incredibly inauthentic because this girl's not some struggling artist from the middle of nowhere whose videos are going to win a Grammy. I was like, girl, I don't think you understand Grammys. <laughs> Grammys? Yeah. But- <laughs> She has a million followers on YouTube. She is obviously very styled. Unfortunately, for some reason, the style that they went with was Billie Eilish three years ago. It's Billie Eilish from Wish is what it is. When you order Billie Eilish from Wish. Yeah. I mean, it's like, why? That seems so obvious to me. Why would a record label ever? I think she's an indie artist. And that's what I really glean from all of this is that I do think she's an indie artist. I don't think she's signed to anyone. And that she put all of her her money into doing this. Do we think wealthy parents? I don't know. I have no idea. I kind of imagined her as somewhat of a product of the YouTube generation and maybe making money through that, but possibly wealthy parents. Yeah. I tell you what gave me the vibe. It was when she, she shows like, she has this wall behind her that has like lots of like graffiti and scribbles on it. And she's clearly being sort of like writing on her walls in this very like edgy, like this is my teenage bedroom kind of way. And we had a, 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 a young woman in this country who's dad was a very like very famous very high profile very well-to-do politician and she was on tiktok and someone found her tiktok and she had the exact same walls so i now associate those walls with like wealthy high profile parents well there is a little bit of a fuck you element to being able to write all over your walls claudia conway had a very similar design evolution Because you can tell the way her childhood bedroom was painted, those were murals. Like that is a room that the whole family moved out for the weekend or went to the beach house and someone came in and painted 
beautiful murals on this child's wall. She'd obviously outgrown them. And the girl takes like spray paint to the walls, which is (laughs) my mother. I I would be, I would have been kicked out of the house. Same, same. If you come from like a generally like, like lower middle class, working class background and you start scrolling on your walls, like you're done. You're you're done. (laughs) Like your parents are going to fucking kill you. Same thing with the kids that purposely stain their carpet to do stain removal videos that's a great that would be a great way to die at my house (laughs) yes same I wrote shit on the wall as a child and Mm. um I I like was scared about it for like a good six months to a year I put a scooby-doo sticker over it and I'm like I still I still get chills when I think about it let me play this video from will talks more on sort of why this isn't the way to go about things for an artist like this. Life fucking sucks. I'm an artist from the middle of- Here's a little tip for all you artists out there. This is the worst way to promote your music. The worst. Like asking for pity streams, pity likes. Oh my God, my manager told me not to release this song. My best friend doesn't believe in me. Like it just comes across so cringe and obviously not real. Like we know you're making up half of this shit. And just complaining is just, it's such a turnoff and it's a terrible way to create consistent fans. Because even if your video like this one does get actual traction, half of the people that didn't like the video didn't just not like it, they hated it. They're like, this is awful that she's making this video that just is just complaining and clearly making up shit and trying to go viral, which, you know, sometimes you accomplish that goal, I guess, with videos like this, but... It's so cringe, guys. Like, if you're an artist, do not do this. Don't do this. Yeah, I think that kind of summarizes what most people thought about her. I had a take. I linked, I made a TikTok, a rare malls TikTok. And you can go find that in the description if you want. But my my take, honestly, is she gives me, like, homeschooled energy. Like, she doesn't even know how uncool this Very is with so. her peers. Very much so. This was a a real my moment. My my thoughts on this is like, as a British person, I don't think you would see a British teenager doing this because, like, culturally, we're so deeply embarrassed by everything that we do at all times that the idea of doing something like this, like, if someone dared, if someone dared to do something like this, it would be it would fall on its face. But I think like she is heavy homeschool vibes, heavy. Heavy, heavy, heavy. Because I don't think, like, she means any sort of harm. And I don't think she's, like, being intentionally deceptive. I honestly think that she just doesn't have the right people around her. Maybe, like, I kind of got the vibe that maybe she's, like, taking this to the adults in her life. And saying, like, what do you think about this? And they're like, wow, this is so fresh. This is so interesting. Of course this is going to go viral. Oh, she said her best friend dumped her. That's so tragic. And it's just, yeah, I don't, I I kind of, I really don't feel like she has ill will. And when she released this first video, she really had to roll with it. Yeah, it's very, it's very uncomfortable to watch. But I do think there's something, I think, I've got a feeling that there are some people, I think you're right about the adults actually. Now I'm sort of processing it. There are maybe some adults in her life that think that this is like a very great strategy 
And there's something very calculated about the language that she uses. So the idea of like being dumped by her best friend, she says, I don't have a friend, but I want us to get our song to 10,000 pre-saves. Like the idea that like, I'm going to mobilize an army of people who want to do this for us, for us as a community, which is a thing that happens in fan communities, right? Like fans band together and it feels like a very sort of like collective victory when like the person that they've been standing for like charts really highly or, you know, they get like, I don't know, whatever it is the kids do these days, but there is a like a collective sense of like, we, the audience are responsible. We all and did this. We did this. And that's the, that's the part for me that feels like, you know, beyond the $20,000 video budget and like beyond everything else, like that's the thing that feels very, like somebody sat and strategized that. It does feel like a little bit of a collage of buzzwords and things that trigger people's emotions. Of course, there was that girl, Marissa, this year who her, a bunch of her girlfriends were talking shit about her in Central Park. And this guy mm. overheard them and mm. he made a video just saying like, hey, it's for a girl named Marissa who's in Central Park. Your friends were talking crazy shit about you. And yeah. they said that they purposefully moved Julie's birthday so that you wouldn't go. And I just need you to know, like, you need better friends. There's no way that you're, like, bad enough to deserve whatever it is that they were saying about you. And the Marissa wound up showing up. And it, like, genuinely was this girl, Marissa. She said that basically her friends, and she showed the receipts, her friends said that she's too outgoing and gets too much attention and the birthday girl wanted it to be on her. So they didn't invite Marissa for that reason. And Marissa has gone on this friendship campaign across America. That's this like random thing that is like kind of all snowballed because she got rejected by these girls. There's meetups in New York frequently. She travels around the country hosting more meetups. It's like turned into her brand is getting dumped by these girls and it's very interesting. Yeah. So I don't I wonder think anybody's like, going to do that for Lail. No, but it's it's maybe trying to like capitalize on that. We don't like to see people alone. Like, right. God, what was the one, the guy who was sober for 40 years or like 30 years and you didn't have any friends to like celebrate his sobriety date with? And so like friends of Bill W. TikTok like completely crash the app like it's it's always stuff like people love to come out for someone who doesn't have other people but it's not usually the people who are like I don't have any friends please listen to my song (laughs) (laughs) the thing is as well like TikTok is an extraordinary vacuum for talent or or sometimes not talent it's an extraordinary platform for discovery and you can gather a, a following very, very quickly through very sort of uh, like through creating authentic content. And I think God bless her if Lael had, again, like my advice to Austin, my advice to yet, like had they had they both done something that felt truly authentic as opposed to the thing that they thought they were supposed to do, like this sort of like content by numbers strategy, 
that I think like people probably would have got behind her in a very genuine, authentic way. It also annoyed me that she kept saying 25,000 pre-saves and every time you go back to the video, it's 23,000. And I was like, <laughs> update the screenshot or like stop lying. Because <laughs> right. it's the different numbers. I think that where we are right now is a good place to wrap up this first episode. But before we do, Tiffany, I just want to thank you so much for being here today and so much for the cameo. My and pride. guys, we don't know, like, I don't know yet what the show is going to look like permanently moving forward. Hopefully, you know, Tiffany, I would love if you join me as often as you can. It may be a situation where I bring in sort of like a rotating cast of characters, depending on who's available that week. Because I really, I know that this show is like, you know, a big commitment and it's it's important to me. So I don't know what it's going to continue to look like. But if you are sticking with us, I appreciate you. I, I know that, you know, I don't know how this episode was, but I enjoyed having Tiffany here so much. And these stories this week were crazy, especially you, David D., you weird liar. <laughs> You too, Doris. But yeah, Tiffany, thank you so much for being here. Go check out Tiffany's website that I linked in the description. She's way cooler than I could ever make her sound through just a description. So go please check her out. And thank you guys so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, and all of that sort of stuff. Thank you so much. Bye. With stories that'll keep you engaged On that podcast set in the stage Tread, tread, tread lightly And we keeping all of y'all in the know Oh yeah And now we all set to go Miles and Brian is hosting the show Tread, tread, tread lightly Giving you the stories that you need to see And you know this ain't no TMZ It's the place that you need to be Tread, tread, tread lightly It's our take on a trend of news With the info that you can and you know we be breaking the rules Tread, tread, tread lightly Oh yeah We go get us, we trendsetters Tread lightly Yeah, yeah, yeah We go get us, we trendsetters Tread lightly Yeah, yeah We go get us, we trendsetters Tread lightly Yeah, yeah We go get us, we trendsetters Hey folks, I'm Yen. And I'm Nat. And we're the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. Comic Sans is a show for people who know nothing about comics, like me. And people who love them, like me, and want to learn more about them. What makes you an authority on comic books? I read them, write them, live them, breathe them. What makes you the authority on knowing nothing? Honestly, Yen, two seasons in, I actually know a little more than I used to. You're welcome. The reason for that is that every episode, I make Nat read one of my favorite comics, like Daredevil Saga or This One Summer. And then he tells me what makes that comic so special. And then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. You can listen to the second season of Comic Sans now. With new episodes every two weeks. Wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Yen, I think I know so much about comics now that this might have to be our last season. 
that there will forever be more comic than you will ever know. What does that even mean? I don't know. It sounds profound, though. Right? Right?